Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of the Yard. It was not a good night in Bulldog Athletics on Tuesday. We're going to talk about it. We're going to be honest about it. We're going to be frank about it. And we're going to get through it. It's very frustrating. Like many of you, I look forward to college baseball season all year long. We had a long time to get ready this year because we had an abbreviated season last year. And what we're seeing on the field right now is not representative of the tradition of Mississippi State baseball, nor is it in concert with our expectations for Bulldog baseball. It's simply not. Let's just call it for what it is. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I think things will be okay. Is it too early to panic? Yeah. Is it too early to be concerned? Absolutely not. I'm concerned. Like many of you, I'm concerned. Now, As a guy that's been around baseball his whole life, I'll tell you, yeah, you'll find out who you can trust. You'll find out which pitchers will throw strikes, which guys will compete. Right now, you're working through that. That's kind of what the non-conference is for. But uh, middle relief pitching for Mississippi State has been an adventure. But again, we'll break that all down. Before we get into all of that, I wanted to make a few comments about uh, the latest controversy with Alabama basketball. I am appalled of how this is handled. And some would say, well, you know, Steve, cover your own school. Well, other people don't do that either. But uh, this is something that is not just a Southeastern Conference issue. It's not just a college athletics issue. It is a societal issue. Brandon Miller, a guy that is months away from being a multimillionaire, implicated through some testimony yesterday at a preliminary hearing that he brought the murder weapon to the scene that led to a mother being shot and killed over a very silly and petty incident. Uh, The testimony yesterday said that, uh, I guess, Darius Miles, I guess is who it was. Sometimes it all runs together, right? Um, But Miles reached out via text message to Miller and said, hey, the heat is in the hat, and basically asked him to bring a gun, a loaded gun, that had one in the chamber, I quote, There's one in the head. And so he brings that to the scene, and ultimately a young lady loses her life. A son loses his mother. Now, here's the deal, and uh, I may be speaking out of turn here, and that's okay. That's fine. I submit to you, if he was not an Alabama student athlete, let's say that, you know, he was, uh, you know, Brandon Thompson, political science major at the University of Alabama that he'd be charged and probably be in jail right now. And I'm very disappointed in the Alabama administration. I guess in some respects it shouldn't come as a surprise 
And again, that's not an Alabama issue. It's a college athletics issue at large. But a guy brings a gun to another individual who then uses that gun and shoots and kills somebody. And they're not charged. They're not suspended from the basketball team. They're not kicked out of school. You know, we had a situation here at Mississippi State a few years ago, several years ago now. We had a football player shoot a gun in the air. Not only was he dismissed from the football team, he was kicked out of school. And he just fired a gun on campus. And he absolutely should have been dismissed from the football team. He should have been kicked out of school. Completely support the decision of the administration. It was the right thing to do. It's an unfortunate incident. And again, nobody got hurt, at least not seriously injured in this deal. But it was a reckless act. And now you have a situation where the former number one team in the country has two players involved in one respect or another with a young lady losing her life. And the price of winning requires some people to lose sight of what's right and what's wrong. If it had been my daughter, my sister, my relative that had been shot and killed, I would take to the streets today. And then you find out Nate Oates and Greg Byrne both knew about it. Now, I love Greg Byrne. I do. I think Greg's wrong on this. I'm I'm just going to say it for how I feel about it. Greg is wrong about this. That young man, if he was involved in a shooting, not only should he not take the court, he should never suit up again. I don't care how talented he is. I don't care what the stakes are. I don't care if you're contending for an AFL championship. What's right is right. What's wrong is wrong. And I read the deputy DA's comments. Well, there's nothing we can charge him with. That's completely false. I'm not a criminal defense attorney. I'm not a district attorney. Even though I may play one on Google from time to time. But this young man has liability as an accomplice here. He brought a loaded weapon to a scene where somebody was shot and killed. In some respects, you could maybe plead ignorance and say, hey, he didn't know what was going on. You know, I think it's reasonable to assume if someone asks you to bring a gun to a scene, even if you don't know all the details, you know, maybe he doesn't know about the argument, maybe he doesn't know what preceded the text messages. That's another thing, too. That I, 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 I'll give you the offer this little aside here, too. Do you guys not watch Dayline NBC? I do. I listen to it a lot. I watch it. I think it's a great show. It's a good journalism. How stupid do people have to be to put things in text in, in writing and text messaging? I don't care if you delete it from your phone. It's still available in the cloud. The authorities can still get it from your provider. And so he gets a text message to bring a loaded weapon to the scene. Woman's dead. He continues to play basketball. And what is Brandon Miller doing being involved in a situation? Why not get the text message and say, uh, hey, man, I can't do it? Or, and maybe you don't even have to say, you know, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. Maybe you don't have to be, even be honest about it. You say, hey, I'm hemmed up right now. I can't do it. If you, one of my friends texts me in the heat of the moment and says, hey, man, bring me the gun, I'm not going to bring the gun. I'm just going to be honest with you. And it's not just because of the fact that I want to you know, save my own skin. As your friend... I'm going to try to help you avoid a tragic situation. That's what good friends do. But now the University of Alabama has allowed this co-conspirator 
to continue to play. So what price is winning? Those are the things that I've asked myself sometimes. It's true. And at some point, we have all probably cut some corners, you know, to get some people in school and get them on a football field or a baseball diamond or a basketball court. Maybe we've kind of looked the other way when somebody has some questionable character. Maybe perhaps that we attribute it to just being young and immature. But 99 times out of 100, somebody doesn't lose their life. Is this young woman's life worth a couple of wins on a basketball court? I mean, look, ask yourself right now, do you remember who won the NAFL championship in college basketball five years ago? Are you still emotionally invested in that? Well, of course not. Of course not. And so we have lost the center. We have lost the plot. And again, this is not just about Alabama. They just happen to be the topic of conversation right now. But it's wrong in every aspect. Even if the young lady had not been injured or killed, you bring a loaded gun into a heated situation, there's some culpability there. And even if, there, even if legal charges are not justified, maybe the grand jury doesn't indict, maybe they consider, well, you know, he was ignorant of the details, did not understand the temperature of the situation, and so we're going to dismiss charges. I think everybody would say, you know what, that's probably a little bit shady, but I can at least understand that. At least they went through the legal process. But we're not even going to do that. And remove the legal aspect of it. What's the right thing for Alabama to do? Well, isn't there a code of conduct for student-athletes? And Nate Oates made a comment about, well, you can't control what everybody does when they're off campus and they're away from uh, you know, the practice facility whatever. It's inappropriate. It's embarrassing. And my honest opinion is I think Greg Sankey should step in here. I think Greg Sankey should step in and say, guys, listen, hey, Nate, Greg, you blew this one. We're going to bail you out here, and we'll we'll take the heat. But this young man is going to be be suspended pending legal investigation. They say, well, he's not being charged with anything. Maybe he should be. But playing college athletics is a privilege, not a right. And somebody somewhere has got to do the right thing. Because it's clear the University of Alabama is not going to. All right, let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company, as always, for their undying support. I love Bulldog Burger Company. You will, too. If you don't already, chances are you're probably having uh, a great relationship with the fine folks at Bulldog Burger Company. Reminds you, too, if you are in the central Mississippi area, perhaps you're going to be doing business there uh, tomorrow evening, February 23rd. From 5 to 8 p.m., the fine folks from Fertile Ground, Jackson's own Fertile Ground, will be at Bulldog Burger Company in Ridgeland. They're going to show off the variety of their locally brewed beer. I know many of you enjoy that. Maybe you're not, you know, a brand loyalist, and so you know what, I want to try something a little bit different. You get the contours of the light cherry sour, the fertile ground pilsner, Mismo Mexican lager, and Forgotten Space IPA. That's a new one, too. They're going to launch that while you're there. You'll be among the first people to have that Forgotten Space IPA. Pretty, pretty incredible that you can go to that event. So if you're looking for something to do tomorrow evening, that's Thursday, and uh, watch the women's basketball game while you're there. You could be in the capital city. Go by and check it out. You can get uh, stickers, glassware, shirts, all kind of stuff like that. Also, you'll, you'll be part of a raffle 
to get a 64-ounce growler of Fertile Ground Beer of your choice. Second and third place, get a 32-ounce growler. How cool is that? So go have a good time with friends and family next Thursday night. If, if you're not interested in that, maybe you just want to go have a good meal, no better place to go than Bulldog Burger Company. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive, of course, in the Ridge and Flowood area. Go have that great restaurant-quality hamburger. Get the spring rolls as your appetizer. They'll make you and everybody around you better looking. But if you need a night out with friends, you're not out with family, look no further than Bulldog Burger Company. Get the chocolate shake to go and get that great restaurant-quality hamburger. It will cure what ails you. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right. As much as we don't want to, we're going to go ahead and talk about this uh, debacle of a baseball game last night. Uh, it was. It just felt weird from the beginning. Bradley Lofton comes in and does a good job for us. Wasn't dominant, but showed enough promise that, you know, I think at the end of the day, he's going to be a weekend starter before the season's over. The guy's extremely talented. His first college start, a little bit up and down at times, as he got into the later part of his uh, outing. It was a couple miles per hour off the fastball. But this is a guy that can bring it. This is a guy that can absolutely bring it. But he gets a no decision in his first game. It's, uh, I guess he's tagged, he tagged with the loss. I don't know exactly how that works, but uh, one nothing. I guess we never pulled even, so he gets up the lead, and so as a result, um, he gets a loss, and it's really unfair to him because uh, we make another error. We had three errors on the night. Only one of them cost us runs, but they did cost us wear and tear on the pitchers and running up pitch counts and things like that, and not to mention it's just not quality baseball. We're one of the best teams in the country defensively the last two years. The early going this year, not been good. You expected some, uh, you know, a lot of moving parts. You got four new starters in the infield. You move Hancock from first to catcher. So, basically, everybody on the infield is somewhere new. But some of these things are not like a transfer at second. It's just the basic fundamental elements of baseball. You hit a hard ground ball to you. You got time. You don't have to speed yourself up. Other times, we just can't make the stop. They just can't be. And these guys are more talented than they're playing. And people say, well, you know, Steve, it's coaching. Not, 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 not when you get a routine ground ball to short and you throw it in the dirt. That's not coaching. One could argue they keep putting the same guy out there. That's coaching. But we dealt with that in the first inning. You know, Bradley comes out there and gets a three-pitch K to open things up. We give up a rifle of a single to left field, and then we pick him off. So it's like two hitters, two outs. We're going to face a minimum. Artsberger, who ended up killing us, had a very lengthy at bat here. We ended up having to walk him. Wasn't necessarily the worst thing considering what he did later in the ballgame. But we walk him. Lengthy at bat. He wins the bat there. And listen, give Bradley some credit. You get down 2-0 and you work it back up full. And he just keeps pulling pitches. So good at bat by Archberger. He extends the inning. Then we get a ground ball to short. Chance for us to get off the field. And we throw the ball away. Or maybe I can't remember if we couldn't field it right or we no we didn't, we couldn't field it right but we, we booted the baseball so it extends the inning and then Davis comes through with a single run scores it's one nothing so despite the fact that Bradley Lofton gets a K and a pickoff loses a battle to a three hole hitter but he should be off the field he gets the ground ball should be out of the inning we're not we extend the inning and we give him a one nothing lead. And then we bounce back and we strike out Haggard. And so you think, okay, it's one run. We're going to be good. We'll be okay. We'll be okay. Well, we were wrong. We were wrong. Bottom of one, Larry Fly.
Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom-fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. That's out the right. Center led better than grounds out the second. Then Dakota Jordan murders a baseball back up the middle. And I hope you enjoyed that hit because we didn't get another one until the seventh inning. Hunter Hines, first pitch swinging, and I'm not a fan of that. I'm not, not a fan of our guy, our four-hole hitter, swinging at first pitches. I'm not. Now, I don't know if that's what he's instructed to do. I don't know if there's a game plan involved there. But when you've got a man on, let's make the guy work a little bit. But we roll one over to the first baseman. He grabs it, steps on the bag, inning over. 
Think you're okay. Well, then Lofton comes back in the second. It's a one, two, three inning. You get a K of Dejan. You get uh, Thibodeau to ground out to short, and then you K Jones. So that's seven, eight, nine right there. One, two, three, and you feel like we're on track. Let's go get some runs, right? Wrong. We go one, two, three. Offer grounds out the second. Uh, Kellum strikes out looking. I think he was just guessing there. You know, he'd seen uh, change-ups, and they ram a fastball in there. Then Hancock strikes out looking. I didn't like the call. Luke didn't either. Replay showed it was a borderline pitch. Too close to take on 3-2. So it's a 1-2-3 inning. Top of third, Lofton's back out. We get Weatherby leadoff hitter line out, and then DuPont reaches on a fielding error. And then we, um, we're able to recover here because Hines – uh, doesn't make the catch here. And again, you know, listen, we charge Hines with the error. There's two people involved here, but you got to catch a baseball. We recover, we throw the guy out at second, they review it, the call stands. And then we walk Archberger again on four pitches. And I don't know again if that was an unintentional, intentional walk, but we get Brown to strike out swinging. So good back to back good innings for Lofton. And I think you could basically say the first three innings were good for the freshman. Bottom of third, it's still a one at the ball game. Chance grounds out the short, Forsyth walks, and then Larry grounds into a double play. You're not going to see that happen very often, but he does. So we finally get a base runner uh, after the first, but we do nothing with it. Inning over. Still one at the ball game in the fourth. Uh, so Lawton's back out. We get Davis to strike out swinging. We walk Haggard, then get Dejan to case swinging. So it's two outs, a man on. We get a 2-2 count on Thibodeau, and we hit him. And, it, and they reviewed it, but it was obvious he hit him. Then we walk Jones. The bases are now loaded. Rather than fold, Lofton bears down and gets Weatherby, the leadoff hitter, on three pitches. Case swinging. The changeup was really working well. So, again, we have some adversity here, but we pitch through it. And at this point, you could tell Lofton's velo was dropping a little bit on the fastball. But a good first start for him. And, again, he gives up an unearned run in the first and gets tagged with the loss. Bulldog defense has got to play better. But here's the thing, too. We're facing a guy making his D1 baseball debut and four innings in, we got one hit. We're not going to beat anybody with one hit. Bottom of four, State does not add to their hit total. Another one, two, three inning, lead better grounds out to second. Jordan flies out to center. Hines then grounds out to short. And that is a four-pitch inning. I don't care who you are, where you're from. I don't care who your hitting coach is. I don't care what your philosophy is. When you record three outs and four pitches, you need to reevaluate what you're doing. Again, first pitch swinging here. I mean, just first pitch swinging. And, and I, again, I don't know what we saw. I don't know what research we did. But that's futility right there. Okay, we bring in uh, Harden here in the fifth, Tyson Harden. And it was not a good inning, to say the least. We ended up throwing two pitchers in the inning and giving up three runs. We walked DuPont right away we get behind him 2-0 and then we end up working the count to 2-2 and excuse me get a full count we end up walking him that was against DuPont and then Archberger home home run for him so Para walks already and Archberger hits a tank to left two runs scored it's three nothing and now you're thinking we're still okay but we need to get going and then Brown rifles one up the middle then Davis rips one back up the middle then Haggard singles and uh run scores it's four nothing but we're not missing any bats and, and, and what's interesting, too, is like we get – we're able to get ahead of these guys for the most part, but we can't finish hitters. And so when guys have a two-strike approach, you know, we got to do a better job finishing hitters. Harden did a good job getting the count to one-two. We just couldn't finish. 
We finally get Dejan to strike out looking on a one-two count. And we, we lift him for uh, Tyler Davis, who was highly recruited, highly heralded, and through two appearances has not looked very good. Ended his appearance on uh, Saturday with a one-two-three inning. But, uh, you know, this is another guy that not missing many bats. But the good thing is he kind of holds the game where it is here in the fifth. He gets Thibodeau to fly out. We get Jones to ground out. And they basically – they tried to bunt right there, but we're all over it. But uh, it's a 4 nothing ball game, and at this point, you're concerned. You're maybe not really concerned. You think, oh, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. Alfred K. swinging to uh, open up the Bulldog half of the fifth. Then Kellum Clark works for a walk. Luke grounds one to first. They try to run the 3-6-3. Uh, the three, three. They can't get Hancock at first. They make a change here. They finally pull Huff, and Huff had absolutely dominated us, and then Bryce Chance flies out to right field. On a 2-2 count. And again, I don't like this first pitch swinging. They bring in a brand new reliever. We're swinging the first pitch. I, 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 don't, I don't agree with it. I, again, I may be wrong, but I think the results would suggest maybe I'm not. All right, top of six, Davis then hits Weatherby on a full count. DuPont singles up the middle, and then Artsberger again with a three-run bomb. It's 7-0 at this point. We all feel like the game is over, barring some miracle comeback. Then Brown singles through the left side. They pinch run uh, for Brown with Washburn. And then Davis doubles into center field. Pretty crazy stuff here. Absolutely crazy stuff here. And uh, we, we end up lifting Davis. And Sierra comes in. And uh, Evan Sierra, on a bad night, was a bright spot for us. And I think, again, this provides more competition for some of the veterans that maybe aren't getting the job done. But Sierra gets Haggard to line out. We get a ground out to second. And then Thibodeau strikes out looking. So Sierra comes in and gets the first three hitters that he faces without surrendering a run. Then give up a hit. You get a base runner. And in that situation, you got to feel like there's a lot of pressure on the kid making his college baseball debut. He answered the bell. Shows he's got a little bit of mental toughness about him. All right, bottom of six. Four side strikes out looking. It was a terrible at bat. It absolutely was. Larry's then hit by the pitch. Ledbetter flies out to left. And then Dakota Jordan strikes out swinging and really not a competitive swing there at the end. Running out of outs here, folks. Top of seven. Sierra back in, gives up a single inside the bag at third. And then Weatherby bunts him around to second. DuPont then doubles down the left field line. Just, again, just kind of pulls it inside the bag. The run scores. Wild pitch. And then the man of the hour, Artsberger, Evan Sierra gets him swinging. That's it. And when you've got a guy like that, it's locked in like Artsberger. It's already hit a couple tanks. That's a big challenge for a young guy. And he gets the hottest guy in their lineup. Washburn then reaches on a fielding error in center. And based on what I saw, I think Kellum Clark had the catch and Dakota Jordan collided with him. Now, it's the center fielder's ball if he calls it. So I don't know what the communication was out there. But Kellum Clark had the out. And you can't collide in baseball. I mean, it just doesn't happen. That can't happen. you got to talk better. Somebody made a mistake. Not sure who it was. But the bottom line, the state gives up two runs. It ends up being a double with a two-base error. And now it's 11 to nothing. And it felt like the circus had come to town. And then he gets Davis to strike out looking. So, Sierra, doing a good job here. Ought to, ought to have been, ought have, ought to have been out of the inning. We're just surrendering to one run. You, know, you make that play in the outfield. The game, you know, the inning's over. And at this point, it's miserable. 
It's absolutely miserable. And to those Bulldog fans that stayed and tried to get the Maroon and White chant going, you guys are true Maroon. Respect and appreciate each of you. I was texting my wife. I said, you know what? If I was a fan, I'd leave. If I was a fan at home, I'd turn this game off. It's a comedy of errors. Bottom of the seventh. Uh, Hines grounds out to second, Alford and walks, and uh, really good at bat here from Alford. Really good at bat. He's been good at the plate. He's made some mistakes in the field, but uh, he's swinging the bat pretty well. And the best is really yet to come for him. It is. Uh, so we get the big walk there. Then Kellum lines out to right, hit the ball exceptionally well. Nice play by the right fielder there. And then Hancock homers to right to get us on the board at 11-2. And then Bryce Chance flies out to right down the right field line. Hit the ball pretty well. But uh, got under it. So 11-2 game, you think, well, at least we're not going to be shut out at home. Davis Mesh, former Bulldog player, gets in and pinch hits, grounds out to the pitcher. Dejan strikes out swinging. Thibodeau strikes out looking. So the book on Evan Sierra is good. He gets tagged with three runs. Only two of them, I guess only one of them is his fault. You know, should have been out of that inning. Bottom of eight, State tries to come in here and compete a little bit. They bring in uh, Derbyshire for them. Forsyth grounds out to third. Larry then lines out a hard shot. Nice play by the second baseman. Ledbetter then pulls one through the left side, or pushes it, excuse me. Goes to second on the wild pitch. Dakota Jordan works for a walk. Then Hines singles through the right side. Ledbetter scores. Jordan takes third. Nice job of hitting here. We move the guy around. Got a little bit of something going. And then Slade Offer comes up. First pitch swinging. We ground out the second baseman. But it's 11-3 ball game. Top of nine, we bring in uh, Brock Tapper. Another one of our young freshman arms does a good job. Gets, gets these guys out on nine pitches. Jones flies out to right. Weatherby then flies out to center. And DePine grounds out to second. So one, two, three inning for Tapper. State comes up in the nine, tries to make a run of this thing. Kellum Clark walks. Hancock then flies out to left, hit the ball well. Then Bryce Chance hit a towering fly ball to left. It just simply kept carrying. It gets over the wall, makes it 11-5 ball game. We bring in Aaron Downs to hit for Lane Forsyth, and he rips a single through the left side. Larry is then hit by the pitch again on a 2-0 count. Ledbetter strikes out looking. I didn't like the call. And then Jordan flies out to uh, right center to end the game. Kind of a slide and catch out there. I mean, the ball gets down. I mean, you know, we're going to score again. But who I mean, the game was over. Right? I mean, you never say never. You never quit. But it's too little too late for Mississippi State. I mean, I, I don't care who you are where you're from. You know, when you have one hit through six innings, you're losing the ball game more times than not. Especially when they had more home runs than we had hits at that point in the ball game. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you, I think it's going to be okay. Now, one thing I will tell you, we've, we were really good offensively over the weekend. We weren't last night. We have to be today. But even if we go out there and score 70 runs today, it's not going to erase the sting of last night. It's not going to be something we're like, okay, well, now we're okay. Because we've got to be more consistent. Amani Larry goes 0 for 3. That's a bit of a surprise. Colton Ledbetter, 1 for 5. Dakota Jordan, the 1 for 4. Hunter Hines, 1 for 4. Sweet Offer, 0 for 3. Kellum Clark, 0 for 2 with a pair of walks. Luke Hancock, 1 for 4. Of course, a big home run. Bryce Chance, 1 for 4 with a home run. Lane Forsyth is 0 for 2. Uh, Aaron Downs, 1 for 1. Connor Isaac was a pinch runner in the ballgame. And uh, really thought he would have a bigger role in this team. This is another guy with some power. But uh, Hollis Hoff gets the win for Louisiana Monroe. Goes four and two-thirds of an inning. Throws 58 pitches. Uh, really gets it done. Just allows the one hit and uh, two walks. He's three base runners and nearly five innings of work. And he wasn't strikeouts. He was, getting, he was getting under bats and having us beat the ball on the ground. Eight ground outs. 
for him. Bradley Lawton, of course, a final line for him. Four innings pitch, two hits, one run. That run is unearned. Four walks, eight strikeouts. And again, I think most of those walks came um, kind of pitched around Archburger a little bit. But uh, Tyson Harden, one-third of an inning pitch, four hits, three runs, all earned, one walk, one strikeout. Tyler Davis, two-thirds of an inning, four hits, four runs, all earned, no walks, no strikeouts, the one hit by pitch, just 24 uh, pitches thrown. Evan Sierra, again, if you're looking for uh, you know the silver lining here, it's the fact that you've got some very talented young freshman pitchers. And they're going to have to grow up pretty fast because it's pretty clear they're more talented than some of the veterans. But three innings pitched, two hits and three runs, only one of them earned. Of course, he's the victim of the uh, collision out there in right center that, that with two outs that led to uh, two runs for them. But a good effort from him. Five strikeouts, no walks. Did have the one wild pitch. But I got a guy making his uh, debut and giving up two hits, striking out five, and not putting guys on. I can live with that. Brock Tapper, of course, I told you, nine-pitch inning for him. Uh, No hits, no runs, no errors, no walks, nothing. Faced three hitters, got two fly outs, a ground out, all nine pitches. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, I don't like the end result. And I asked Chris Simonis, you know, you know, hey, and you can go watch a video on jeanspage.com today. You can go, it's for free. Go watch it. And I asked him, you know, how tempting is it to just let these young guys just take the ball and run with it? I mean, you know, that's the thing, too. Freshmen always wear down in the end. They're not used to playing this many games, not in front of this environment. The stakes are a lot higher. But I think it's pretty obvious we're going to have to have the youth movement here at Mississippi State when it comes to Bulldog pitching. There's no question about it. Now, the same two teams back in action later today at 3 o'clock. I'll be out at Duty Noble Field. Uh, so you can, of course, watch that on the app. But at 3 p.m. start today, uh, Gerangelo Senjay will be the starter. And, again, I think the youth movement in Bulldog pitching is underway. And by the time we get into SEC play, I think you're going to see some very talented but very young pitchers. And competition is a good thing. You know, the thing that I go back to, I'm not going to mention any names. If you know me, you probably know who I'm talking about. You're not, you're not oblivious to what happens in Bulldog baseball. We have some guys that are back that I just don't believe you can trust. And so my opinion is if I can't trust you as a junior or a senior and I have a more talented guy that maybe is not a proven commodity on the college level, I'm going to go with that guy. If I can't trust you, and I'm not sure if I can trust him. I know that I'm going to have him for a couple more years. And I already have a body of your work on the college level to kind of compare. I'm going to go with the young guy. I think we all know that Bradley Lofton and Sinjay are the future of this team. And then you see Evan Sierra go out there and do some good things for you. And you feel good about that. You see Brock Tapper go out there and it's clear he wasn't scared. And it's the thing, you've got some of these guys that have come in uh, that are newcomers from junior college and have come in from uh, transfer portal. And I understand maybe the first time that you towed the rubber at Duty Noble Field, it's an intimidating deal. I get it. It's, this is big-time baseball, okay? But why are the freshmen so much more comfortable? I mean, you think Bradley Lofton played in front of 10,000 people in high school? I mean, Gerangelo Senjay is from Curacao. You think they had big crowds over there? Maybe they did. But why are the young guys able to manage the emotions of the moment better than guys that have already been here? You've already pitched in the SEC, and you've pitched in Omaha. 
So why is a freshman, a high school kid, a guy that just less than a year ago was buying some girl a corsage to take her to prom, how is that guy mentally tough enough to go out there and throw strikes and the other guys aren't? And so I think, I think it's obvious. I mean, obviously you got to figure out who you can trust. But I think based on the early returns, you got to go with the young guys. you got to go with the more talented guys. And it's not even about labeling them freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. I got to go with guys that are going to compete. I got to go with guys that are going to throw strikes. I'm not going to go with guys that are going to walk the ballpark or throw batting practice. I'm going to go with guys that are going to compete. And even if I have to take some lump for them this year, they'll be better for it next year, and you'll be gone doing something else. You know, my hope is, is that everybody, the level of competition makes everybody you know, kind of reach back and find something to do a better job. But through four ball games, your better pitchers are the young guys. And I still kind of include Kate Smith and the young guys too. It's true. It's absolutely true. And again, you can say, yeah, Steve, we only gave a couple runs on Friday and Sunday. It's true. That's true. But, you know, we didn't walk people. And if I'm going to go out there and I got Bradley Laughlin, a first-round talent, that's got five innings under his belt, that's getting, that's getting strikeouts, that's getting soft contact, that guy's going to take your spot. I'm just going to tell you now. And Lamontis even said last night, I've been trying to go with the older guys. And, and listen, a lot of, whoa, no. You don't want to just try to freshman out their opening weekend and say, okay, it's all on your shoulders. There's a way to manage a roster. At the end of the day, we're all judged on wins and losses. But, you know, you could, you could push a guy out there too soon and destroy his confidence. You got to bring them along and let them get their feet wet. But I, I, I'll be honest, if we get an SEC play and Lofton and Shinjay are not uh, a big part of our plans for the weekend, and, and maybe they don't both start because I think Landon Gartman and Kate Smith are probably good enough to get you there right now. And I'd love to see Casey turn it around. I mean, you absolutely would. I mean, last year we were begging for Casey to get on the mound. We couldn't wait for him to get back. Casey was our best guy in the fall last year. And so you're eager for that. And so it's not about picking and choosing. They're all our guys. But we have to put the most competitive guys that are going to advance Mississippi State's baseball interest on the mountain. No matter how long you've been here, no matter how much money your family donates, no matter what your scholarship looks like, no matter what your MLB projection looks like we have to win ball games period we are not just a professional baseball factory we are here to win ball games and compete for championships and chris simonis and scott foxhall coach cheese and gotro have to put the guys that are the most competitive if that means putting a better defensive team out there if that means going with the younger guys on the pitching staff then that's what they got to do we're not going to just sit around and feel like we owe it to you Okay, you were part of a special team in 2021, but if you're not producing in 2023, you're going to watch a lot of baseball rather than play. All right, time for today's top 10 list. As always, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R. Blair is your friend in the mortgage industry. Many people are out there competing for your business. Blair's a guy that absolutely deserves it. 21 years of experience in the industry. Top 1% close ratio in the country. He works for Fairway Mortgage, not some fly-by-night operator, right? Not a subprime lender. And there's some people out there that need that. You know, Blair's the guy that's going to be able to get you taken care of, though. This is the guy that gets loans closed. Whether you're looking to buy a home for the first time or maybe perhaps you got to move some things around, you know, uh, you need a guy that can get things done. And that's Blair Chandler. Here's his phone number, 601-500-2344, 601-500-2344. And if you mention him, you heard about him on the barnyard, he's going to pay for your appraisal. It's about a 
$500 value. How cool is that? So we, as always, we thank Blair Chandler for being a part of this. And don't let this ad become like a part of the scenery. It's like you hear it all the time. It's like it's a ladder of awareness thing. But if you have mortgage needs, reach out to Blair Chandler at closewithblair.com. Okay, today's top 10 list suggested by uh, Heath Hopkins. He hit me up, had a couple of ideas. And he says, uh, we talk about the long songs, right? You know, I was a uh, radio music DJ for a while. And uh, so sometimes I'd have to eat on the air. And uh, I, had a, I, had a, I had a girlfriend that would come by and visit from time to time. And so rather than have to, uh, you know, switch pots around and change songs and things like that, sometimes I would put on a long song so I could sit there and visit with her for a little while. And so I'm a fan of the long song. Now, many of you are jam band enthusiasts, so that's all you know. And a lot of that is because your favorite jam bands only have a couple of good songs, so they got to make them last as long as possible. I'm looking right at you, looking right at you, BJ and Blair, right at both of you. Right, I got one eye. I have two guns, one for each of you. Uh, but these are some good ones. These are like epics. So I didn't have any Pink Floyd on the list. I know some of you are going to complain. That's fine. I told you I'm not a big Pink Floyd fan. But Pink Floyd, of course, uh, you know, dogs and things like that, uh, shine on you, crazy diamond. All those things are epic songs to you. And so we'll tip the cap to them. And, uh, of course, you know, Peter Frampton's uh, – Frantis Comes Alive has got some jam band stuff on it, too, it seems like. And uh, do you feel like we do? It's 13 minutes long on Frantis Comes Alive. And again, I can't oversell that album. All right, number 10 on my list. Going back to Ritual De Lo Habitual from Juana's Addiction. That's Jane's Addiction for you English speakers. It's the song Three Days. I absolutely love this song. I would submit to you it might be my favorite Jane's Addiction song. And I was alive when all this happened. I actually have the original album cover that was banned. Then they had to go with the white and black cover. Much different deal. So it's kind of a collector's item to have the original uh, Jane's Addiction album cover. And I do. You could probably get it today. They may even put it back in production because we're not so sensitive these days. Well, maybe that's not correct. We're still pretty sensitive. We're just sensitive about more stupid stuff. But it was pretty dumb back then. We can't let this album cover come out because uh, there's an image on here that we find offensive. You know, it's, I, don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm a free speech advocate. If you don't want to buy it, don't buy it. You remember when Open Up and Say Off and Poison came out? They had the, the lady on there with like the dragon tongue or whatever. And they said it was offensive. And so they had to like put the bars on it. You know, my thing about that is why do you care? It's a cartoon. It is. Get over yourself. But Jane's Addiction, three days, it's number 10. All right, number nine, and this is when Kiss really began to kind of hammer down. This is on Kiss Alive. It's 100,000 years from Kiss, and this thing checks in about 12 minutes long. Ace does an incredible job on this song, and uh, it's probably an underappreciated classic because people like those three- and four-minute songs from Kiss, a lot of punch to them. It's just good ahead rock and roll. And I had somebody recently try to tell me that I was wrong about the lyrics for rock and roll all night, and I'm absolutely not wrong. You're wrong. Look them up. Not to mention, just listen to the song. Stupid. All right, number eight. This song was kind of parsed down to make it radio friendly because that's the way you sold records uh, back in the 1900s. You had to get your songs on the radio and then in in hopes of getting them on the charts, then getting them in the record stores because people heard songs on the radio. Who sings this? I want to buy this record. But Iron Butterflies, In a God of DeVito, which is actually a play on uh, In the Garden of Eden, was originally 17 minutes long. 
They had to get it down to, I think, three, three and a half minutes to be able to make it a 45 to put it out there on, on uh, terrestrial radio. But it's 17 minutes, and you can find the original, and hopefully Roy can find the original out there, but 17 minutes long. This may be the longest playlist in the history of the world. Number seven, many of you had speech and English composition, right? And I can't count how many people wanted to like quote this poem in Miss Judy Gordon's class. But it's way back from 1834. It's the rhyme of the ancient mariner from English poet Samuel Taylor Coleridge. An Iron Maiden made it a metal song. 14 minutes long. So in some respects, you could say it's a cover, but it's really not. It took somebody else's lyric and set it to music. And it's a rhyme of the ancient mariner. An incredible poem in and of itself. But the fact that you got Bruce Dickinson out there belting out those chords, uh, it's pretty awesome too. I guess it's notes technically. Don't, don't message me. But 14 minutes of maiden madness. All right, number six, you know, Rush is uh, an incredible prog band, and I had to think long and hard about this one. Which Rush song do you go with? And we did our Rush list, and I, and I will admit to you, I'm not a huge Rush fan. I, I respect them as musicians incredibly. But something about Getty Lee's voice kind of gets to me. It just it doesn't work for me. But I have a tremendous amount of respect for the band. And, of course, Neil Peart is gone, uh, one of the greatest technical drummers and an incredible poet in his own right. But I went with 2112 here. 2112, 20 minutes long, 20 minute song. And so, like, Rush looks at widespread panic and government mule and those guys and said, what, what are you doing? You know, you want to be us when you grow up, BJ, looking at you? But 2112 from Rush is number six. Number five on the list, and this has kind of been a staple. You know, one day I guess we could run the analytics and find out which songs have been on top 10 lists the most over the course of the last three years. This one's been on here a bunch. It's Leonard Skinner's Freebird, which uh, equates to Amazing Grace in South Mississippi. It's 11 minutes long. Three lead guitarists on this thing, man, Alan Collins, Gary Rossington, Steve Gaines, incredible. The live version is even better in my estimation. Maybe you disagree. But Freebird is an American anthem. And some people are like, well, Steve, why is it wrong to like Leonard Skinner? Right? Why? Why? I mean, this is Mississippi rock and roll. I mean, it just is. Well, Steve, it's so cliche. Freebird. You know, there's a reason that the song is so well known. It's because it rocks. All right, number four. And uh, in many respects, this is a poem that Jim Morrison wrote. They set the music. It's funny how that works. A bit of an epic here. It's a 12-minute Shakespearean sonnet quality song from the doors it's the end this is the end you know there's a little part there the spoken part he walks on down the hall the end is is good it's a little bit of a psycho babble at times too you can tell jim morrison was kind of off his rocker a little bit but uh it is an endearing song in many respects especially due to the untimely passing of one jim morrison okay number three speaking of untimely passings again this song a, a lot of people know this from the radio edit. That's what it used to be. You had the album version, then you had the radio edit. The original version of Voodoo Child from Jimi Hendrix is 14 minutes long. Now, you may know the four-minute version. 
And everybody knows the intro, right? I mean, it's just incredible. Jimi Hendrix has to be on our list. I would encourage you to, like, if you if, if you are, like, a, just a casual fan of Hendrix, there are some really good concerts on YouTube. And you're always looking for something, right? There are some, like, the, his performance at the Monterey Pop Festival is out there. It's phenomenal. You can really see the magic and majesty of Jimi Hendrix in a live performance. You can't hear that as much these days. You can hear the studio version of these songs, but to watch Jimmy play live and watch him improvise on the guitar and, and watch what an incredible showman he was is something you need to do for yourself. Number two, now this may be a bit, bit of a surprise for you here. This is a song actually written by Slash, and no, it's not November Rain. I don't think a song has ever been on a top ten list, and it should be. There's also not the same chord or song composition here. It's a wild ride, man. And uh, apparently Slash wrote most of this, uh, you know, during a time when he was intoxicated. But it's the great song Coma off the Use Your Illusion albums. It's at 10 minutes long. It's an incredible ride. And I think it's an underappreciated hidden gem in the Guns N' Roses catalog. And in case you didn't know, they're going to be playing in Biloxi in September. How about that? GNR coming back to Mississippi. And good on the folks at the Gulf Coast Coliseum for getting them to come. Number one for me, and you may disagree, and that's okay. It's got to be a Led Zeppelin song for me. I had a couple of options to go with here. Could have done Achilles last stand. I didn't. I didn't go that direction. But I want to say this song, in many respects, I think really typifies the blues element in the band Led Zeppelin. At the, at the heart of it all, Jimmy Page is a blues guitarist. It's just an amplified version of the blues. I love Traveling Riverside Blues. Love that off Coda. There's so much of this. Like a lot of people say, oh, they're a great rock band. Well, they're a blues band. As is Whitesnake. Whitesnake's just a little more amplified, a little more polished in many respects. But back in the 70s, you know, Zeppelin kind of had carte blanche when it comes to things because they were established. But it's in my time of dying, the number one long song, 11 minutes long. So when you start doing the math on here, guys, there is over two hours worth of music here for you. Two out, 10 songs, it'll take you two hours. So you got, you got to get in the car and drive with Jackson. There you go. We'll take care of you. So great list, and thanks for the idea, Heath. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out and let us know. You can hit me up. I'd prefer you hit Roy up because I am very forgetful, as uh, my wife can attest. Uh, I, I get busy and I forget about things and it's, and it's a busy thing. As a matter of fact, I got to do, do the last little cleaning around here before, uh, before she gets home, right? Uh, be on a Monday. Thank God. I may survive this. But the reality of it is, is uh, hit Roy up at Dogmatic67 on Twitter. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. You can probably find him on Facebook too. Let's just flood Roy's mentions on all forms of social media. I want Roy's life to be interesting the next couple of days. A lot of people hit us up. They have ideas. We've already done them, and we'll, we'll try to find the list and send it to you. But sometimes it's proven to be more difficult than, uh, than you would think. But uh, all that said, Roy doing a great job. And really, you know, Roy does this out of the joy of his heart because he enjoys the show, and he enjoys music, and he likes putting these things for you on Spotify. And you can find our great list on Spotify, also at Dogmatic67. So, again, thanks as always to Roy. Very interesting list, very interesting idea. And uh, I like your ideas. Sometimes your ideas, I can't maybe do them justice, and so I don't do them. It's not anything personal. 
But uh, I do appreciate the fact that there's, there's so much interaction between me and you when it comes to these lists. I have a lot of people that will message me and say, Steve, I love the list. I think you should have put this song on there. I don't get, take any offense to that. Anytime that we're talking music and sharing music with each other, we're family. That's the way I look at it. And there are a lot of songs people send me I don't really like. And there are probably some things I'll talk about you don't like either. And that's okay. That's part of being in a relationship. It's not always, uh, you know, popcorn and unicorn farts, right? I mean, it's just, you know, sometimes we're going to disagree. But thanks, as always, for your support of the top 10 list. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart. As always, a Stark Villian institution. Nobody doing a better job providing Mississippi State merchandise to the Mississippi State family. Be sure and check them out next time you're in town. Go by and see their fine selections. The bully shop has been completely renovated. Everything is upstairs now. Everything. No longer in the textbook business that has allowed them to expand their selection of Mississippi State merch. Nobody in the known universe doing a better job than the folks at Campus Bookmark. If you can't make it to town, let me encourage you to visit them on the World Wide Web, courtesy of Al Gore's Internet, at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That'll get you free shipping on all orders over $75. Any order less than $75, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. Man, what a brutal way to lose a basketball game last night. And Before we even get into that, let me tell you this. If you, if you didn't know what a good coach Chris Jans is, look at last night. Now, this Mississippi State team is not especially talented. We're getting more out of Tolu Smith than we have at any point in his career. Of course, he's got more experience, but I think your coaching staff's doing a better job putting him in a position to be successful. It's obvious to me they know how to utilize his skill set to advance his program forward, but this is not a very talented team. But we will fight you for 40 minutes plus. We'll fight all the way to the bus. And I think that's one of the reasons that fans have responded so favorably to Mississippi State men's basketball. We understand there's a foundation being poured that is really kind of commiserate with our value system. We're going to get out there and compete. We're going to work hard. We're going to play good defense. We're going to do the grunt work. We're going to do the little things. Because most of us maybe not be especially talented, but we're going to show up to work every day. We're going to give you a good day's work. We're going to go home. We'll be good to our families. That's what we're seeing from Mississippi State men's basketball. And, again, a brutal way to lose a game last night. It really was. And it really felt like down the stretch we were going to find a way to pull that thing off. And we knew this was going to be a difficult game. We knew this was a difficult week. We knew we had to get a split. Of course, A&M's not making it easy. They're still playing well. But uh, – Bulldogs lose last night 66-64 in overtime. And after that debacle of a baseball game, we needed something to feel good about. We kept thinking, we're going to do it, we're going to do it, we're going to do it. And ultimately, we don't. And so we didn't go to bed last night very happy, but 12,014 people showed up last night at the Mizzou Arena to watch a basketball game between two teams that are battling extremely hard down the stretch. Mississippi State falls to 18-10 and 10 overall and 6-9 in the conference. Missouri now 20-8, and 8-7. And safely two games ahead of us. So they will finish ahead of us in the standings, barring some you know, complete surprise. But Atolo Smith, 14 points, 10 boards, did enough to win. He'll tell you he didn't, but he did. 
10 points, 7 rebounds from DJ Jeffries. That's a solid stat line for him. Cameron Matthews, uh, 9 points for him and 5 rebounds. Shaquille Moore, 9 points for him and just 3 rebounds. We need a little bit more from Shaquille. He's had a couple games not been quite what we, what we needed. Deshaun Davis with some big baskets. Uh, 0 of 6 from beyond the arc, though. That we got to get better there. 7 points for him. A big basket late. Eric Reed Jr., uh, makes a couple threes. Good to see him kind of returning to form there. But three of 13 from the floor. He took more shots than anybody and just nine points. Sean Jones Jr., five points for him. Will McNair. With Tolu's emergence here, you're not seeing Will you know, provide the same level of uh, contribution from a playing uh, time standpoint. Just nine minutes and gets the, the one point there. But pulled down five rebounds. So pretty efficient on the glass during his time on the floor. Uh, Tower Stevenson, eight minutes, did not score, attempted three shots, missed all of them, pulled down one rebound, also committed one personal foul. Uh, Kobe Brown, the straw that stirs a Tiger drink with 17 points, Demoy Hodge with 16, Nick Honor with 10, including a big three late, Noah Carter with 10. Isaiah Mosley did not play uh, in the game. But, uh, you know, good effort all the way around. The lead changed hands 19 times. It was tied 12. The kind of the quality of game you'd expect from two teams that are fighting for the NCAA tournament. A pretty big segment late here in the first half. It's back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And uh, you know, I don't think anybody really gained any separation in the first half. And all of a sudden, you look up late, and Deshaun Davis knocks down a couple free throws to give State a two-point lead, and then they foul late. And uh, Deshaun Davis makes the, one of the free throws. And, um, and so it's a three-point advantage for the Bulldogs. I guess he hit it was three free throws because he got fouled on the uh, three-point attempts. He makes all three, and, and uh, it's a three-point advantage for the Bulldogs. And you felt like, hey, if we're able to score late like that in a competitive game, it could be a really big deal late. And again, second half, it's just back and forth, back and forth. A very competitive game state is up four and pushes that lead up to six with 15-10 to go. And you start thinking, okay, we're good. But then Missouri comes right back. They come back and they tie it right at the 10-minute mark and take the lead on a pair of free throws uh, at 9-22. State wrestles the lead back at the eight-minute mark. And then next thing you know, it's a four-point advantage from Missouri just under seven minutes. They maintain the lead and uh, with three minutes to go, we're up four. And then Tolu with a big layup there cuts it to two. Tolu makes one free throw, and then they get another free throw back with 43 seconds. So it is a two-point game, 57-55, 43 seconds to play. Tolu makes another free throw. And then a second free throw uh, to tie the game with eight seconds left. Uh, they miss a, a, what was called a layup uh, at the end of regulation. And so, again... You know, the, the last minute or two of that second half, pretty indicative of the rest of the ball game. Missouri goes up three on a three-pointer from Nick Honor, and D.J. Jeffries answers. So it's 60-60, to 60, and then State, with a big layup from Tolu Smith, takes a two-point advantage under two minutes. And then Noah Carter makes a three, pushes him back up one. And then Deshaun Davis with the money shot, Put State up one with 20 seconds to go. And you think, okay, we just need to stop here. And if we're going to win a game like this on the road, chances are we're going to do it with our defense on the field, on the court, right? And then Nick Honor fires up a three. 
his second of the overtime period to push them back up to we we go down and we get it's just a melee down there at the other end and we get a couple chance a couple shots up nothing would fall for us they win the game 66-64 it's a brutal ending to an amazing game and you knew somebody was going to walk away disappointed and unfortunately it was us but like all of you I'm exceptionally proud of Mississippi State men's basketball this team this level of effort, this coaching staff has all of us re-engaged again. And the fact that it stung so much last night is evidence that we all care about men's basketball again. And again, we've got a core group of fans that this is their favorite sport and they want Mississippi State to be in the tournament. You think, hey, we won't you know, have a chance to get to Sweet 16, hang some banners. We had not done that in forever. But it's not the core fans that sell out the hump. It's the rest of us. And now all of a sudden you're beginning to see kind of the resurgence of interest in Mississippi State men's basketball. That is exciting. And again, that goes back to the hiring of Chris Jans. Now, what we have left, obviously, uh, not a whole lot there. And, and chances of us finishing at 500 and now are pretty slim. You know, we're going to have to win out in order for that to happen. And I just don't expect that to happen. We get A&M Saturday in the hump. Uh, that's a 2.30 tip. We'll preview that game on Friday. But uh, the Aggies are playing well. And many of us, including myself, thought they may fade down the stretch. They actually have gotten stronger. Really good team. They upset Tennessee last night. Really, really, really good game in many respects. But uh, we're going to have to play exceptionally well to win the game. We've been very good at home. If you can win that game, all of a sudden you start thinking, okay, we can feel comfortable. We can feel comfortable Probably thought we'd lose. Uh, probably thought a better chance was to win Missouri and lose to A&M, but the, the reverse works just as well. Might actually work better. And then you get South Carolina for senior night on Tuesday, and then you travel to Vanderbilt, who's playing exceptionally well here as of late. So three games left. So we need to win all three to get to 500. I think eight and ten is probably what you'd expect. You got to find a way. You get South Carolina, you feel like that's a dub. you got to pick up one of these other two. You finish 8-10 and 10 with 20 wins. I think 20 wins and 8 in this conference probably gets you in. But again, the fact that we're heading into the final week of, of college basketball season, the regular season, and that we're still talking about the tournament is a testament to this team, to this coaching staff, and for all the fans that have turned out and made this thing really special. And so it's down to this. I think you win two of the last three you're in. You probably could pick up a win in a tournament just to uh, give yourself a little breathing room. But, you know, the latest projections have us in. I don't know who had us, who picked us to beat Missouri last night. We should have won the game. We didn't. And, again, tip of the cap to them. They made big shots late. We made some big shots. They just happened to make one more. That ends up being a difference in the game. But we need everybody there Saturday. Everybody that can be there on Saturday. And, of course, uh, you know, baseball game has been pushed back. So you could probably catch the doubleheader. Go watch the men play and then turn over and go uh, to Duty Noble Field and go watch us take on Arizona State. But uh, big basketball games ahead of us, for sure. But again, I'm like all of you. Like, it took me a while last night. I mean, I, I even thought about recording last night. It probably wasn't the best of ideas, right? Just because of the fact that we had lost baseball in such a embarrassing way. And then we get a gut punch from Mizzou and again you tip the cap to them it's not a lack of execution on our part we went up there in a very difficult place to play 
and gave them all they wanted and then some. And that's what it required. It required a last-second shot. It required a big three from a guy that's not really known as a three-point shooter to win that game. And so I think in many respects we have earned respect and we've proven our tournament worthiness for the most part. We just have to finish. We just have to finish. And the fact that we're so emotionally invested in this, again, says a lot about year one under Chris Jans. Excited about what's going to happen Saturday. That would be a huge, huge win for us. And uh, the hump hadn't been the easiest places for people to play. You know, State's 10-4 and four this year in our home arena. But, uh, you know, when you go back and look at the games that we've lost, you know, at home, it's, you know, number one Tennessee gets us, excuse me, number one, former number one Alabama gets us, and then Tennessee gets us. So two of those four to top ten teams, you know, the, the loss to Florida by two, that's one you look at, eh, you know, if we had that one back. But it's a two-point game. It absolutely is. It's a two-point game. And then, of course, we lose to Kentucky by three at home. So you look at the four losses to two top ten teams and two other games that went down to one shot. So A&M is going to have their hands full. We're going to bring it. I know you guys are going to bring it. We need our students to be there. It is, they call it Super Saturday. We need you to turn out and be a part of that. Pretty exciting thing, to say the least. But it's good to be in late February playing games that matter, not just for seeding in the SEC tournament, but for a chance to play our win to the big dance. And how special would that be for this fan base? It has endured so much when it comes to men's basketball over the course of the last dozen years. It's really been a while since we had the conference we could go out and beat anybody. And now we feel like we can compete with anybody. We may not be able to close, but we're not going to be an also-ran. And that's, again, the thing you look back, you know, other than that debacle in Knoxville, every game has been competitive. Every single one. And that shows me that we're doing a good job game planning. That shows me we're doing a good job buying in. You know, we have played some really good basketball this year without the compliment of having a couple big scores. Everybody knows that Tolu is the, uh, the straw that stirs a drink, and he's putting together the best season of his career. It's pretty crazy. And, again, it, it makes me more – I'm excited about the home stretch, but it makes me even more excited about the offseason. You know, who will we find in the portal? What young guys are going to come in and be difference makers for us? You know, th- those are the kind of things that excite you. But it's like, you know, in the past, basketball recruiting has kind of been a niche thing for us. I mean, Paul Jones does a great job uh, with that for all of us at jeanspage.com. But, you know, I think in the past, people are like, we'll just get who we get. You know, it's, there's no point in me, you know, paying close attention to this. I, I suspect this year, because of the renewed interest in men's basketball, you're going to want to know who we're getting on the basketball recruiting side and, and probably have some greater interest in that than you've had in recent years. So hang in here with us. I still think the best days are ahead of us. I think you guys would agree. All right, let's thank uh, our friends at Portico. I've told you guys many times before, if I was moving to Starkville, Portico is where I would move. Very easy to get to. Turn off 82 on a 12 like going to campus. Take the very first ride on Pat Station Road. Go to four-way stop. Portico's right there on your right. Just 1.1 miles away from all things Bulldog. You've always dreamed of being as close to campus, so you can go to all the games. You know, I've, I've got some friends of mine that they like to retire, and it makes me feel old to say that I've got friends that have retired, but I've always had older friends. Uh, but they, they get a place up here, and, and they're at everything. They go to the women's games. They go to the men's games. They go to baseball. They're here for everything. And then all their kids come up and stay with them on football weekends. 
Now, you could do the same thing for your family. Reach out to our friend Brooks Bryan at 601-416-8075. Again, at 601-416-8075. And learn more about your options at Portico. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home. Maybe you're looking to downsize. Maybe that's the way to go. Maybe it's your second home. Maybe you're thinking, Steve, I don't need as quite a big a place yet. I'm going to retire there someday. And so I'd like to go ahead and kind of get things settled. They, they can help you with that. And you can go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home. Maybe you've got a home with a growing family and you want to make the Golden Triangle your home. No better place than Portico. Phase one's completely sold out. Phase two is nearly sold out. Still a couple of houses available for you there. And you can also pick a lot and pick a housing plan and maybe get a custom build the way you want it. Maybe there's things you need that maybe they're not part of these cookie-cutter homes around the city. But the folks at Portico can accommodate you. There's no better way to go than Portico. Make it your next move. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, women's basketball. Big game coming up and a big win earlier this week. Let's make it two. You know, we, we understood with four games to play, we needed to do no worse than a split. Our best chance to get that split is to win tomorrow night in Humphrey Coliseum. The Bulldogs 19-8, and 8-6 and six in the conference, so we're assured of having at least a 500 record in the conference. And ladies 13-2 and two at home. 13-2, and two, and of course, one of those losses to number one South Carolina, an, an absolute juggernaut, the other one to Ole Miss. And listen, Ole Miss is just a little bit better than us this year. We'll just admit it. We don't like to, but that's the reality of it. But we've been very, 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 very good at home. Now, reminder for all of those that are involved in Greek organizations, it is your night tomorrow night at Humphrey Coliseum with an 8 p.m. tip. It is Greek night at the ladies' game. We need everybody to turn out, be rowdy. I don't know what the specifics are behind all this. I don't know what they need you to do if you're wearing your Greek lettering. You guys know that world better than me. I was I was in a fraternity, too. It was just an unofficial one. It was called Uncap a Fifth, and uh, that's what we did, but uh, not necessarily proud of that. But uh, I had some friends that were Delta Dow Deltas. I had a band with a couple of guys at Southern Miss They were DTDs. They used to call them the Downtown Daddies because they got kicked off campus, but... Uh, I digress. So it is your night, and uh, we'll take on Arkansas. Uh, the Razorback ladies kind of in the same position we are. I mean, you looked at the Alabama game, you think that's probably the more difficult of the two, and maybe that's the case. But we're going to have to bring a good effort. Arkansas, 19-10 and 10 overall, 6-8 and eight in the SEC. They are 6-4 and four in true road games and 3-2 and two in neutral games. So a combined record of 9-6 and six away from Bud Walton Arena. So a decent home, a decent road record, but not great by any stretch of the imagination. You'd expect that from a team in the middle of the pack in the Southeastern Conference. Look at their SEC play. Uh, they began the year with a 24-point loss to LSU. They go on the road and beat Kentucky. They didn't hammer Florida 102-74. to They went at Missouri, and we know firsthand how difficult it is to go up there and play at Missouri. And they hammered Missouri by 22, 77-55. They squeaked by Vanderbilt at home, 84-81. to 81. They didn't go to uh, LSU, and they get hammered again. I guess maybe that's not an accurate way to say it because it was a very competitive game. There were times that LSU had some separation in the game and Arkansas wouldn't quit. They ended up losing by three. And then they got hammered by South Carolina. They get doubled up, 92-46. to 46. Woof. They didn't lose to Alabama 69-66 in Bud Walton Arena. They lose to Ole Miss in overtime in Bud Walton 76-73. Uh, 
They beat Johnny Harris and the Auburn Tigers 54-51, a very competitive game back on February 5th. They lose to Vandy 78-70. And then they destroyed Missouri here about 10 days ago, 61-33 in Bud Walton. They lose in Bud Walton to Tennessee by 20. And they go to Georgia. And we, we know what a house of horror Stegman Coliseum can be in women's basketball, which is a difficult thing to explain. It's not like Georgia's been especially good. But they beat them by 23 points. It's crazy. So, again, it's an 8 p.m. tip and uh, just two games left. They get A&M the next, the next ball game. So, if we don't play well, we could find ourselves in a tie with Arkansas in the, in the league standings, which could change, of course, the, uh, the seeding for the SEC tournament and, in many respects, change the uh, prospects of an NCAA tournament bid. So you got to win this game. This is a must-win game, I think, in many respects. This keeps you in the conversation and probably puts you in a situation that if you win a game in your SEC conference tournament, I think you can breathe a little bit easier. We're right there. We're right there. Now, looking at the Arkansas statistics here, it wasn't too long ago. You know, Arkansas was outstanding. and We played them in the SEC tournament championship game, and um, Andy had the big uh, career night to beat them. Mike Neighbors is a good coach, obviously. Been there several years now. But uh, Aaron Barnum is the leading scorer at, at – um, if I can find my numbers here, look around here, 16.7 points a game. Uh, Samara Spencer, 13.4. Uh, Michaela Daniels, 12.8. And Chrissy Carr, 11.6. So four starters averaging double digits. And then there's Sailor Poffenberger with uh, 8.7. So this is a very balanced team. And it's interesting they have Poffenberger and Wolfenberger on the same team. I don't know about that. We'll have to do a little research. Maybe that, that's a weird thing there. Maybe it's an anomaly in the print. I don't know. But the reality of it is, is we're going to face a team that is very comparable to us from a talent standpoint. And it's a toss-up game in every aspect. But the reality of it is we get the game at home. And so you've got to find a way to protect the home court. Looking at the SEC standings, we're right there. We are right there uh, coming up in uh, sixth place in the SEC. Tied with Georgia, just a game behind Alabama and Ole Miss. That's it. We're right there, basically assured of a top half finish in this league. You beat Arkansas, and I think you remove all doubt about that. And again, I believe a winning record in this, this conference with, a, with 20 wins I think you deserve to get in. When you think about the fact that uh, you got South Carolina, LSU, and Tennessee all playing exceptionally well this year, especially South Carolina and LSU, they got one loss between them. That's going to carry the you know the RPI in many respects. But there is a lot of parity in the league this year. There are a lot of teams that are still fighting for an NCAA tournament, and I won't be the least bit surprised to see somebody get hot late and push into Sunday that you're not expecting. South Carolina is a machine right now. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. They're dominating women's college basketball. But I think South Carolina may end up playing somebody that people aren't expecting. There may be somebody that just gets hot and play their way into the dance. But a good chance, a good chance in every aspect to, uh, to finish in the top five of this league. You know, Ole Miss and Alabama are going to play head-to-head. So, you know, one of those two teams is going to take a sure loss. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That's just how college basketball is played. You know, but Missouri is at Ole Miss, and then Ole Miss is at Alabama uh, for the regular season finale. So 
you know, not sure what to expect from Missouri. And, you know, Ole Miss has been solid most of the year. And you look on the Alabama side, Alabama's at Florida. Uh, that game also tomorrow night. And then, of course, they host Ole Miss. You could see Alabama drop two in a row. I mean, you could. The, Alabama should be able to win at Florida. And you'd like to think they could beat Ole Miss so that that would give both of them a split. And so we're not going to catch them if we get a split. But if we can find a way to upset LSU, obviously that gives you 10 wins and, uh, you know, could have you in a top four in the conference if the cards fell just right. But good job by Sam Purcell and the staff. But we need everybody to turn out and do some big things on the women's basketball front here uh, Thursday. And, again, the fact that we're playing meaningful basketball, I mean, the last couple of years – at this point in the season, you know, our hopes were exhausted. You remember last year, our ladies just kind of simply ran out of gas. And, again, I'll always be grateful to Doug Novak and the staff for what they did with a very shorthanded roster. There were some games we played with six players. And some of them walk-ons. We won some big games and just simply ran out of gas. We just didn't have any life left in us at the end of the season. But now we do. We have more depth. We have more fan support. And you know, we're trending towards a tournament. I mean, I think it's assured at this point that both the men and women will be in postseason play somewhere. But how great would it be to hang another NCAA banner on both ends rather than another NIT? That's an important aspect of this, too. How special would that be to have two doses of March Madness after what we've endured in men's and women's basketball the last couple of years? It'd be incredible. So hopefully that works out for us. I know many of you feel like I do, that it's so nice to have a rooting interest basically every night this time of year, right? I mean, there's, there's something to cheer for every single day. But when you begin to look at these projections and things like that, you start paying attention to everybody else. And that's the thing, too. When we were rolling in women's basketball, many of you watched the other women's basketball games. It's like, hey, well, we need to see if South Carolina loses, or we need to see if, you know, Missouri loses. There was always another rooting interest. It was a, you were interested and engaged in women's basketball because you had invested so much of your own fandom on the women's basketball side. And whoever knew at, the, at that point, hey, did we ever know it'd be that good again? No. Nah, the glory days of Mississippi State women's basketball. But I think we're trending back in a very positive direction. That's why it's so important to turn out. So the students, again, let me appeal to you. I know that many of you are what, taking midterms right now. you got exams. I don't know the schedule. You'd think I would having a college kid, but I don't. I don't have to take those exams or participate in any study groups. But I know there's some exams going on this week. Hopefully you can get a break and come out on Greek night and support the Lady Bulldogs and the uh, final home game of the regular season. So turn out and be a part of that. We'll be uh, extremely grateful for all of you that do. All right, in the final minutes we have here together today, we're going to be a little bit more abbreviated today because i got I got to get the show up and i got to get something to eat and get to do Noble Field. Uh, Paul Jones had a one-on-one interview with the new athletic director, Zach Selman, and that is posted at jeanspage.com. You go check it out. Uh, I met Zach and his family this past weekend uh, at Duty Noble Field. They were there. Uh, Zach, his wife Rachel, and their two daughters had a chance to meet Meatball. Of course, I've spent a lot of time researching Zach Selman. You know, we had full coverage of the uh, director of athletic search. And Zach Selman, of course, hit our radar way back on uh, December the 8th. We, were, we found out through some sources that he was a candidate. Now, it's one thing to watch an athletic director at the podium. 
you know, there's usually prepared remarks. There's a lot of polish involved in all of that. And Zach Selman, obviously a very articulate, intelligent guy. It's one thing to see him in that setting. It's another thing to meet a man with his family. Right? Because I think that's really more indicative of who we are. You know, there's no teleprompter. There's no, uh, you know, prepared statement. There's no uh, media relations uh, briefing before you go in. Hey, you're probably going to get asked about this. You're probably going to get asked about this. This is our policy on this. But you just meet somebody out there casually. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting there waiting to go to the restroom. Boom, there's Zach and his family. So we sat there and talked for a while. I got to say, I'm even more impressed with the guy. Not just because of the fact that uh, he can carry a conversation with, in many respects, a stranger. I mean, obviously, he knows some of my work from his time here at Mississippi State. In the short time, you know, he, he says he's read some articles, and I take him at his word. But I was so incredibly impressed how, when he spoke to me, he looked me in the eye. And then, when it was time to introduce the family or talk to his daughters or talk to his wife, he was then engaged with them. There's a character aspect in all of that. It's about making people feel valued and important. And maybe I'm reading too much into that, but I don't think that I am. When his wife spoke to me, rather than Zach staring at the ground or staring out in the vast expanses of the Starkville night, he's watching his wife speak. He's given her the floor. He's paying her attention. He's given her the respect of the moment. We talked about Twitter. And he says, my girls will tell you I'm very boring on Twitter. And the meatball says, Dad, all you got to do is tweet out a picture of me and then things will go viral. People will love you on Twitter. Now, I don't know what kind of director of athletics Zach Selman's going to be. I don't know. I, you know, I, I, I have a good feeling. I do. But I don't know. I don't know what kind of decision maker he's going to be. I don't know him well enough to know. I know that I know some people that know him. We do have some mutual friends or acquaintances within the industry that speak very highly of him. But I can tell you this. Based on my limited interaction with him, I think Zach Selman is, is a great man. And again, you never know people until you get to know them, right? There are probably some people that think great things about me that don't know my background, right? And I, I try to live my life in a way I don't have to keep secrets. But I wanted to share that with you because the con he didn't owe me the conversation. He could have just said, hey, nice to meet you and kept going, but he didn't. We sat there and we visited, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. We talked about me writing books, and lo and behold, one of our new staffers walked up, and she had just bought Alpha Dogs that day. She goes, hey, you're the guy that wrote that book. I said, well, which one? I've actually written five. And so we begin to talk about that. And we talk about, you know, Zach Selman's family history and connections to Oklahoma. And it was all so comfortable. Right? You know, there's some people, it's like they always feel like they're being interviewed. And so the answers they give you are kind of like short, staccato. Like, you know, they're just, they're just kind of giving you the bullet points so they can get out of there and get out of your presence and get on with their evening. But this wasn't the impression that I got. And I don't think it's because I'm Steve Robertson, the reporter, Steve Robertson, the publisher of, of Jeans Page, or Steve Robertson, the author. I think it's the fact that Zach Selman saw another bulldog up on that level and just saw the opportunity to visit. 
And so I wanted to share that with you because there's so much of that. You, again, you watch press conferences, I mean, with players and coaches, and you feel like you know them, right? Right. I mean, that's how it feels because you can watch their lips move and hear the words come out of their mouth, and either it makes sense to you or it doesn't. But you don't always get to talk to the players and the coaches kind of off the cuff like we do. And so I was so impressed with Zach. And again, not because of what he said, but because of how he acted and how he treated his wife and daughters. And again, it's a limited interaction, didn't last especially long. And one of our new staffers comes up and he introduces me to him, her and, and, uh, and, and her husband. And even that interaction was very, very positive and very comfortable. And so we will see what happens over the course of the next couple of years. But as far as the first impression goes, I'll tell you, Zach Selman's won me over. And I'll be honest, I wanted Jared Banco because it's kind of the devil you know, right? I've known John Cohen since he was a player here. And of course, we became much better friends when he came back to Starkville. Uh, but the reality of it is I've known John a long time. Known Jared Banco a while. You know, from a business standpoint, it makes sense to me to have somebody in the building that uh, is familiar with our work and what we do, Right. But I didn't know much about Zach other than what I had researched and read and some press conferences that I've watched. But uh, I can tell you, you can tell a lot about a guy and how he treats strangers and how he treats his family. A guy that has time for you, a guy that makes you feel important, is the guy that you like. And I like Zach Selman. And I think you guys will too. When they get out and they do the road dogs tour and stuff and you get a chance to hear them speak, you're going to hear a lot of the canned comments. You are. Because that's how life works. But when he's working the crowd afterwards and he's shaking your hand and taking pictures and things like that, you're going to see, I think, what Dr. Mark Keenum saw in Zach Selman. I think you're going to see a person that is very intelligent, that has a vision and a passion for Mississippi State. So let's make the most of our time with Zach while we have him. Who knows how long he stays? You know, does he leave one day to go back to be the director of athletics at Oklahoma? Maybe. Does he go to Wake Forest someday? I don't know. But I know this. It's almost like a transfer portal, right? While we have him, we got to get production. So let's support Zach Selman and the initiatives and in turn Mississippi State. Because if Zach Selman is successful, Mississippi State's going to be successful. We're all going to be happy. But that's it for today. If you hadn't done so, go to dogpilethebook.com. You get all my sports books there. It's Dogpile, Flim Flam, Alpha Dogs, and Stark Villains. Blooms of Oleander, of course, available through uh, barnesandnoble.com, amazon.com, booksmillion.com, or your local bookstore. Stark Villains gear always available at starkvillains.com. And come join our crazy dysfunctional family over jeanspage.com. You can interact with our experts, get all your questions answered. Nobody providing you more in-depth coverage of Mississippi State Athletics than us at jeanspage.com, the Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports. Very proud and happy uh, to say that. And thank you guys so much for the successful run that we're on. We've never been bigger. We've never been better. Uh, had the biggest month in our history in December, and then January backed up and had the biggest January in our history. And uh, I don't think that's just because of me. I know it's because we have a great team, and I think all of you guys, too, your passion for Mississippi State Athletics has kind of brought us together. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for all of you to listen to the Boneyard and buy the books and subscribe at jeanspage.com. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. 
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.